0: Duty is defined as a task that one is required to perform, a responsibility, a legal responsibility. You are owed a duty by others at all times, whether a sole person or a huge corporation. You are owed a duty to be safe from negligent, careless, intentional acts that cause you serious damage. Death, permanent injury, catastrophic loss. Others have caused a breach... A breach of the duty due you and yours. Your only recourse is to pursue a legal claim. It is impossible to turn back time so that the injury and damage did not occur. Monetary compensation is the only alternative. Both to compensate you for your loss, but also to confirm the conduct of the wrongdoer. Motor vehicle accidents, slip and fall injuries, assault, dangerous products, workplace injuries, animal bites, defamation, These are a portion of the wrongs that are inflicted on you and yours. Opsitnik and Associates can make the difference. Al Opsitnik has litigated, tried, and settled injury claims throughout the United States in his home state of Pennsylvania, but also New York, Maryland, and Alaska, just to name a few. When duty is breached, contact Opsitnik and Associates to make things right. For you, for yours. Contact them toll-free... 1-866-391-3299 one 391 3299 Or visit them on their Facebook page, Opsitnik and Associates Or their website, OpsitniksLaw.com See the links in the description below for more information Hello everybody, Zach here with the Carnival of Randomness And it's time for another edition of Consoles and Computers As said before, I am Zach, the Gamer Guru Rai is here with us
1: Hello again.
0: Hello again. And this time we're going to talk about another one of the big video game houses that, well, we think is kind of having a little bit of trouble. That would be Bioware. Oh, no! And Bioware holds a special hatred in your heart because of the, uh, let's put it, mistreatment of a specific franchise that we're going to get into.
1: Yeah, just a bit.
0: But we're going to start off with the positive, because when BioWare first started, they really were cranking out some pretty good games.
1: They really had a good run at the beginning.
0: Um, so <laughs> let's look at... well, let's look um, just the basic history of BioWare. They're not that old like compared to Nintendo.
1: No, so they were founded in 1995, and if people don't know, they're Canadian. They're based in Edmonton in Alberta. Yeah, exactly. One of, really, actually, I think the only Canadian developers, or probably the biggest.
0: Well, probably one of the um, only Canadian-born developers. There's all the subsidiaries now. Yeah. But I think it might be the only one that was born and bred in Canada.
1: Yeah, so that's cool. And then in 2000, you know, they did their own thing for a while. And then in 2007, the evil EA Pac-Man gobbled them up.
0: Well, they they do that. But at the same time, you know, EA can be a good force or a bad force. And in this case, I think it was kind of a bad force. Yeah. But looking over (laughs) your notes, interestingly, I didn't know the two guys that founded it were medical doctors.
1: Yeah, which is random.
0: Yeah, so why the hell medical doctors would, you know, found a video game house, I don't know, but...
1: Uh, I don't know, possibly thinking of edutainment at the time, or just a personal interest, I don't know.
0: Could be, and interestingly, the two founders, um, I'm gonna butcher their names, so do you want to do that, Ray and Greg?
1: Ray Musica, I believe, and then Greg Zestchuk or Zeechuk.
0: Yeah, and they both, re- they both left BioWare in the same year, 2012, and kind of ironic that that's really when the big downfall began.
1: Yeah, um, you know, they'd had some successful games. By 2012, you're kind of looking at definitely the downslope.
0: Well, and let's let's get into some of those games and really I think their first big game and this is a game I've played I really enjoyed was Baldur's Gate.
1: Yeah, that one was a uh, classic. I mean, it sort of became even more popular than I think it was at the time.
0: Oh yeah, it came out in 98. Um Metacritic loved it and that's that's the scale I go off of Metacritic because IGN and GameSpot they're very very hinky with their paid reviewers. Yeah, absolutely. But it got a 91, and five years after the fact, it still sold 2.2 2 million units. It's just a really cool game. Did you ever play Baldur's Gate?
1: I did not. I'm actually, they're releasing, I don't think Bioware has the IP anymore, but they're, a company is releasing a new one. It's in early access at the moment, and it looks really good. Huh. So that'll probably be my hopping in place for Baldur's Gate.
0: Yeah, because I I I had... I don't think I have it anymore. I'm looking at my shelf, and I don't believe it's there anymore. I can't see it, and I'm not going to move around. But I had and played Baldur's Gate for the Xbox and Baldur's Gate 2. Both of them were very good. Mm. Um,
1: And then they did Neverwinter Nights, which I've heard of, didn't play. I think it's, again, sort of the, the top-down Baldur's Gate... Yeah, kind of like
0: a dungeon crawler kind of thing
1: And then KOTOR Well Yeah
0: But but that's the thing Those Star Wars games, KOTOR being Knights of the Old Republic Came out in 2003 And it went gangbusters
1: It was a legitimately good game It is, I,
0: I have it Or had it it's Again,
1: as someone who's not interested in the Star Wars franchise, but who knows people that do, you know, they gave me the game, and I was looking for something, so I played it, and I remember it being a lot of fun, even for someone who really doesn't know much about the lore, or whatever.
0: Right, and that's, oh man, you are gonna get flamed! I
1: know, but ah, I'm sorry, it's just not my, my thing, but it didn't matter, because it was just a really good RPG, you could kind of... Just put aside the the sort of Star Wars aspects of it if you weren't that into it.
0: Right, and that's the mark of a great game when you may not necessarily know about or care about the lore of the story, but you get sucked into the gameplay, and that's what Knights of the Old Republic did. That came out mm-hmm. in 03. Yeah. Got a 94 out of 100 from Metacritic for the Xbox version, which is the one I had. Yeah. And four years later sold 3.2 million copies
1: Mm. yeah Uh, i'm not surprised i mean it's it's talked about in the you know the pantheon of greats
0: oh i mean because it is fantastic um yeah it really is Uh, jade empire did you ever play jade empire
1: no i mean aside from the sort of two big franchises that they were doing in this period they kind of just sort of poofed out uh kind of a few other games that were meh. I mean,
0: Jade Empire wasn't bad, but the fact is they did take a lot of stuff from Knights of the Old Republic. Nah. And they kind of switched it from an RPG to a real-time combat kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, the musical score was really good. <laughs> It uh it did get good reviews. I have it, I played it, I enjoyed it. Hmm. But it just didn't it just didn't sell well for whatever reason, probably because at that time star the Star Wars game was dominating everything. Yeah. And what are you gonna do? When you get a big franchise like that, that's going to happen.
1: Well, exactly.
0: Um well speaking of uh good old Star Wars. Uh, Then Mm. they did the second one later, The Old Republic. And this kind of came after the resurgence. Yeah. Because I would say that in 2005, when Jade Empire came out, that's when their downfall began, because they went from selling millions of units to in October of 2007, so two years after Jade Empire came out, they'd only sold half a million. Yeah. And like I said, it wasn't a bad game, just nobody cared about it, it seemed. Hmm. So that's really where the downfall began because then all of a sudden they started announcing things. Those things Getting never canceled. Exactly. They they did a sequel to Command and Conquer.
1: Hmm. Cancelled.
0: Uh yeah, they announced it in August of twenty twelve and it was canceled in October of twenty thirteen.
1: Yeah, and then they canceled Shadow Realms yep, game. Shadow
0: Realms. They announced that. That was a big announcement at San Diego Comic-Con in 2014. And less than a year later, in February of 2015, that was shelved. Hmm. Uh, and then the same thing with... Uh, they were going to do a Warhammer online game. Nah. Didn't make any money. Nobody gave a rat's ass about it. It never went beyond a beta version. Hmm. And they completely scrapped it in 2013, after two years. Uh-uh. But then, in 2011, right in the midst of this, out comes Star Wars The Old Republic, so the kind of sequel to Knights of the Republic.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it was good, it <laughs> didn't get good ratings, but man did it sell, because they... The one thing you have to give Bioware credit for, and this is what we're going to talk about in a minute... BioWare is really, really good at expansion packs.
1: Yeah, they are.
0: Because the Old Republic comes out in 2011, uh, gets an 85, so pretty decent grade. Yeah. But as of October of 2019, it had made nearly a billion dollars. Which is insane. In revenue, and that's just with game sales and the expansion packs, that's not even talking merch.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, that's an incredible sum of money. And at the time, I think it was one of the most expensive video games ever developed. That wouldn't surprise me. Like, you're looking, I think it was around $300 million just for voice actors and animation and everything like that. But it's made that money back in spades.
1: Yeah, and then some. Just a little bit.
0: And before we go into your hatred... Let's talk about the hatred of many other people, that being the uh, dumpster fire. I'm going to go ahead and say it, the dumpster fire that was Anthem.
1: It definitely was. I, it's, I know it's been kind of eclipsed by the dumpster fire that was Fallout 76.
0: Yeah, and then in another company, the dumpster fire that was Cyberpunk.
1: But, yeah, I mean, Anthem was a complete letdown. I mean, to it came boy. out,
0: it, it crapped the bed immediately.
1: Yeah, which was unfortunate because it was meant to be Bioware, you know, diversifying away from its kind of bread and butter series. Yeah, series. You and... know, it was their first IP they'd developed in a long time.
0: Yeah, and it laid a giant dog egg.
1: If you read about the development, it's kind of obvious why it happened. Yeah, that the that infamous demo that they released. Yeah, that everybody saw was completely faked.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say because that was the demo I saw, and I was like, "Man, that looks like it could be really cool."
1: Everybody thought that, and, it and was completely... then all of a
0: sudden, then the game came out. Like, what the hell game were they showing us?
1: Because the demo was faked to the point where it was basically put together by like a small group of the. Uh, developers or the publisher, and anyway, the game had had barely gotten beyond concept art at that point. Yeah, Whereas and then all the, of a, and
0: it, we didn't know that at the time. But then all of a sudden no, it came out. It's like, well, the, wait a minute. If they don't have concept art, where the hell does demo come from?
1: Well, that was you know the demo presents it as if it's you know nearly a finished game with all these features that then they found they didn't <clears couldn't throat> deliver.
0: Yeah, I mean they weren't yeah. even close.
1: No, and they'd bring in, you know, studio heads to show them one thing, you know, a small feature, and and suddenly, you know, like, the flying or whatever became such a huge part of the game, and it wasn't actually supposed to be. It was just that one of the big studio heads really got hyped about it, and so suddenly you kind of have to deliver to your boss.
0: Well, and that was the thing. I mean, credit where it was due, they they marketed the hell out of that game and they made it look appealing. And then the game came out and it was like, ooh.
1: Yeah, it was...
0: Like I said, their target sale was $6 million. They didn't come mm. close to $6 million. No. And the weird thing is, I've read, they'll keep supporting it, but they're not going to do anything to fix it.
1: I think even supporting it is probably a long shot. They they sort of promised to pull a No Man's Sky and to fix it. And well, yeah, that and that's the thing. Scared. I'm glad you
0: brought that up, because people are going to say, well, No Man's Sky. Yeah, but they fixed their issues.
1: Well, that's it. And then Bioware put up, you know, a roadmap of development for a while, and then that was quietly pulled down. And essentially, it's pretty clear that it, I think most people have been shuffled off to other, you know, other teams and oh, yeah. Anthem
0: For their new and upcoming IPs that I know they are super excited for.
1: I think Anthem is effectively dead, you know? It may get small patches, but any core issues with the game, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Cyberpunk, they have a chance to fix it, and from what I hear, they are trying to.
1: Yeah, we'll just have to see.
0: But Anthem just gave up. They just completely like, yeah, you know what, whatever.
1: Pretty much, yeah. It Uh, was pretty fast when they, they ran and hid, and then... You know, within a couple of months, I think it was pretty much all over.
0: Yeah. And that's a big black eye for a company. Yeah. All right. So we've got the, you know, the basic history and their slow beginning of the downfall, really beginning about 20, 2005. But in 2007 there was a game that gave a big resurgence and it was one that you got sucked into, I got sucked into, a lot of people got sucked into. Mm. So, take the floor, tell me about Mass Effect, please.
1: Well, I got into it, you know, after all three had already come out, so sometime after 2012, because I bought the, you know, the whole trilogy pack, so all of the games had already been released. I wasn't following it along. Yeah. As they released, but... It's probably, you know, you could easily say that Mass Effect is basically the bread and butter for BioWare and was for basically the entire period between 2007, when the first came out, and 2012, when the third came out. Absolutely.
0: That was, you could not think of BioWare without thinking about Mass Effect, and honestly, for good reason.
1: Yeah. It really was legitimately, they were. Amazing games, you know, won tons of award and basically did all the heavy lifting for the company,
0: yeah, and you know to their credit, it ticked all the boxes
1: it did i mean you know? it was
0: a good game, mm. great writing, great acting, and it pulled you in
1: it definitely did like the you can go back and play it multiple times, and even though the first game technically hasn't aged well it's it's sort of slow and clunky to play yeah you get over that because you know the writing is so good and the characters are you know so enthralling
0: well that's what it is and that's and that's kind of how I've always felt is that good characters and you know can make up for mediocre writing
1: yeah absolutely
0: and good character development and that's what they did they presented a lot of characters.
1: And it's sort of become mine and probably a lot of other people's kind of gold standard for world creation because I think that's something that they did better than just about anybody else. And I don't mean the like the world is in levels like the physical thing you run around on. Yeah. But the actual lore, like what is the universe that your character is inhabiting?
0: Right. And that's and that's what it is because they made a lot of people buy into that universe.
1: Because the interesting thing that they chose to do is that it wasn't really about your character. You're sort of coming upon a world that already exists, has existed for a long time before you got there, and you're, in a lot of ways, almost a spectator to a lot of things.
0: Right. Well, let's let's break it down. Talk to me as if I'm a small, stupid child.
1: <laughs>
0: because while I did play it, you played it more than I did. Yeah. So lay it out basic just the basics of the original trilogy we'll get into something in a little bit
1: yeah that which shall not be named oh
0: i'll name it i'll name it in a little while and you'll hate me for it but it has to be done
1: yeah so i mean the basic concept is that it's set in the future humans have just become a real sort of uh spacefaring you know space colonizing group, and so are trying to be accepted into, you know, the various alien council that sort of oversees how things go in the galaxy, basically kind of like a space united nation.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, it's kind of an old trope, but it's a good Mm -hmm. one if done well, and they did it well.
1: Yeah, and in the background of this, there's sort of this, uh, this kind of Borg-like enemy that is sort of slowly brainwashing other alien species and you're sort of trying to figure out what's going on and and to get people to help you but you know there's all this other sort of drama between species because you know because of the world building all the conflicts that have existed long before humanity got to space right and you have to go around and kind of fix all of those and gather alliances and things Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it's just Really sort of fascinating It's the same reason why people like films Like uh, The Last Samurai The Tom Cruise thing Yeah Because again it's sort of that aspect of just Being there to witness an event in history And not really necessarily being able to change it
0: Well that's And that's kind of interesting Because in most other games You're plopped into something And you know you have to change it
1: Exactly But whereas in
0: this one You get plopped into it, and you have to deal with the consequences of it.
1: Well, that's it. Certain things just sort of are, and there isn't always, you know, sort of happy endings, and, you know, you can affect certain outcomes, but there is just sort of a lot there that's... The cake is already baked, you know? You're just sort of witnessing various alien species conflicts, and you're only able to mitigate small little edges of it. Exactly. In a lot of ways. So that was quite, I think, something quite different, yeah, because in most games, you know, everything just sort of centers around you and it often feels like whatever game universe you're in, everything pauses, nobody actually exists until you get there.
0: Yeah, and, and we've talked about that before. Um, when This is going to kind of infringe on a later episode, but like with the first uh, Batman, what was it, Arkham Asylum? Yeah. You know, the whole point of it is you you are poisoned... And you have to try to find an antidote, and you have a certain amount of time, but then there's all these side quests, but for some reason, time doesn't count towards that.
1: Yeah, that was the sequel, Arkham City.
0: Yeah, it's like, that's not how the world works. You know, just because, like, just because I'm not, you know, in Kansas doesn't mean nothing is happening in Kansas.
1: Exactly, you know, and it's it's a feature of game design, you sort of understand why it happens in games, but really great games cover it up well, and, you know, Mass Effect covered it up well.
0: Yes, I would agree with that.
1: You know, so that's one of the things that I think it's done so well that you just don't see many other games able to do it. Now,
0: did you look, like, look at any of the games before you played them? Like, did you do, watch anybody doing a playthrough, read about them, or do. you just kind of went and I don't,
1: I don't even know why I why I bought it. I think I literally just liked the design of the, the case. I bought it in a GameStop,
0: <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: you know, and it was this nice black fold-out trilogy pack, and... I think, you know, I like RPGs, and I guess that one drew me to it, but I don't remember knowing practically anything about it before I went in.
0: Right, and then was it pretty much instantaneous that you got sucked into it, or did it take a little bit to build in?
1: No, the first one's quite good at at pulling you in. You Hmm. know, you you want to continue on, you want to see what happens next. Right. And it gets going pretty fast,
0: Exactly, and then you so you've played through the original trilogy a lot of times.
1: Yeah, probably I would say at least three times each.
0: Yeah, and something we were discussing uh, last night when we were prepping this, yeah, the voice acting with when we were talking about the the great Keith David. Mm. He's more of a side, like a supporting character.
1: Yeah, he can't be your companion in any of the games But he's a huge part Right, and you
0: you said something That you were more upset when he When his character died
1: Yeah, than when my Player character Shepard died
0: Than when your player character died Because that's how much he meant Yeah And that's another one of those things like Because you're playing as Shepard You're not there the whole time So you're off doing your adventures Meanwhile, stuff is still going on yeah, and what was it Anderson? Yeah, Keith David's character, Anderson, is there in charge of it. So you get back, and all of a sudden you see the a- you see the effects, you see the aftermath, and you get the reports.
1: Yeah, well, you put it correctly that he's the rock. You know, you're you go off and deal with all these sort of alien space you know conflicts for a long time in the game, you know, and throughout the trilogy, and you know, there aren't a lot of human moments in that, so when you can come back to Earth and Anderson is there, you know, he's that human rock that sort of regrounds the story that it's kind of like, oh yeah, I'm a human and ultimately my concern is Earth, you know, and humanity.
0: Exactly. And, (laughs) you know... Sorry, go
1: ahead. uh, You know, I've been running around dealing with all these, you know, alien conflicts, but that's not sort of your ultimate purpose in the in the game, in the plot.
0: No, but to be fair, some of the aliens are pretty cool.
1: Oh, they definitely are, but I mean you know, l- let's just...
0: let's go to everybody's favorite. Yeah. Come on. The Krogan are the best.
1: Oh, I love the Kro I, how could you not? They're you know, it reminds me of the the Klingons and not just a name, but just that that battle, you know, obsession
0: right they're they're a species that is bred for war, and that's it,
1: and they're just hilarious, yeah, you and know they, they're
0: they're speaking their mind, but it's in such a way you cannot help but laugh at it,
1: yeah, you know, and I think that they those characters get pretty much all the best lines of dialogue, in yeah, the game. and
0: all they're doing is just saying like a snarky line, but yet it's infinitely hilarious.
1: Mmm, yes
0: Like the whole thing about his birthday party Was it Rex's birthday party?
1: Oh, Grunt, yeah Or Grunt's birthday. birthday party? Yep
0: It's like, well, something that's like eh, It's always a good party when somebody ends up on fire
1: Exactly They're definitely sort of the the comedy relief Of the, you know, your group Yeah, and then
0: and then again You are buying into these Non-human characters, mm-hmm. and that game humanized them in such a way that you feel for them
1: because their conflicts, even though you know they're alien species, are very human in a way, or very sort of universal. You know, war, uh, genocide, yeah, war, you...
0: genocide, famine, poverty, everything that we as humans can understand, they've g- they've gone through, mm-hmm. so we can feel empathy for them.
1: You know, and it just creates this really fantastic layered universe where all these sort of four main alien species have, you know, been having these interstellar conflicts for thousands of years, so there's this incredibly sort of deep amount of, you know, plot there that you uncover throughout the game. Yeah. You know, the trilogy, and it's it's just really sort of interesting.
0: All right, now before we kind of shift gears... hmm The first time you got to the end of the original trilogy. Yeah. How were the feels?
1: No, I know three has gotten a lot of flack for its ending and the ending does kind of suck, but at the same time, it didn't really matter because, you know, it's just knowing that it was the end and, and, you know, that's it and everybody's dead and, oh, it was, it was sad. I cried. It
0: was sad, because you knew that at some point, one of the major characters you truly loved was going to die, and there was nothing you could do about it.
1: Well, that's it. I mean, it's just... It's yeah, just I... pick
0: your poison, which one goes, because somebody has to, and that's something I kind of like with games and movies. It's not always a happy ending, especially when it comes to war. Yeah. You know, it's not always going to be sunshine, roses, everybody lives in harmony at the end of it. That's not how it
1: works. Well, exactly, you know, and there's a lot of sort of juggling things where certain characters just have to die, or, you know, you trade one for the other eventually. Yeah. You just can't get through the trilogy with everybody alive.
0: Right, that's just how it works. Yep. And because it was the end of a trilogy, you are heavily invested In these characters And even though you didn't play it from the start You're looking At What was it probably about a three or four year period Between the first game and the third of the trilogy Mass Effect 3 coming out
1: Yeah Uh, Well and even if you just play them all You know back to back Like I did I mean you're investing probably 40 hours per game Well right but like
0: I say like The first Mass Effect came out in 07 And then Then 10 for the second one, and 12 for the third one. So you're looking five years. If you played them as they came out... Yeah. You know, you've invested a large portion of your life and emotion into these games. Yeah. And it's kind of heart-wrenching when you get to the end of it.
1: It definitely is.
0: And like I say, even though you had them all and you played them all back-to-back-to-back, you still didn't feel any less invested in it.
1: No, because you spend so much time, you know, these these are pretty long games, you know, if you play them leisurely. Yeah. You know, so you're you're spending yeah, a long time with these characters running around, you know, questing and such. How did they do
0: sales wise, do you know?
1: Um, I think they did pretty good.
0: Yeah, because I'm not I mean, actually It was a, sure a, a well known trilogy.
1: I mean, uh, yeah, so 1 came out in 07, 2 came out in 2010, and uh, within a year of, of Mass Effect 2 coming out, both 1 and 2 had sold more than 7 million copies, so that's my, pretty damn good. My God,
0: that that's a lot.
1: You know, especially for that kind of genre. I mean, I think that's pretty good for a lot of games, but space RPG, you know, space <laughs> opera, not a huge selling genre. Well, that's what it is, because...
0: It doesn't necessarily appeal to a mass audience like a sports game would.
1: Exactly.
0: But yet, it still made a lot of people really believe it. Yeah. And then it gets to the end, and Shepard goes away, and... Yeah. The feels are real. (laughs) And then there's that five-year period between 2012 Mm. and 2017...
1: Indeed, and then 2017
0: graced us with the majesty. Exactly, and you were hoping, you are like, what's going to happen? Are they going to do something with it? Because there was murmurings, wasn't there?
1: Indeed, and then of course, you know, then the confirmation and then the hype cycle. Exactly, and then... the
0: hype cycle, the, the possible birth of a new trilogy.
1: Yeah. Which g- then because... gave
0: birth in the year of our Lord 2017 to Mass Effect Andromeda and take it away.
1: Yeah, which was supposed to be kind of a whole new thing, you know, the Shepard story was done, which was controversial at the time, and people knew that, you know, fairly early into the development. You know, the developers were pretty clear that Shepard was done, this was a new story that was going to be set with new characters in a new world, new, 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 new. Yeah, and
0: right from the start, I kind of had an issue with that, because with not just With that, but with them referring to it as a Mass Effect game.
1: Yeah, because it was more like, you know, I mean, it was an event taking place in the universe, but it was definitely kind of an offshoot thing. And obviously with how unhappy people were with the end of Mass Effect 3, I think for a good segment of people, there was maybe the hope when they first announced a new Mass Effect that they were going to fix, kind of fix the end of that, or some people just didn't like 3 at all. Yeah,
0: and... But again, if they wanted to have it be an homage to the original trilogy but be a standalone thing, don't call it Mass Effect. Yeah. You can you can call it just if they would have just called it Andromeda, I think some of the hatred would have lessened.
1: I think so, yeah. I mean, when you call when you tag something with certain things, there's just expectations, right? Right,
0: exactly. When you say Mass Effect, you think of a certain number of things. Even though they already went into it saying, no, the Shepard story is over, all these characters are done, we're rebooting it, well yeah. then why are you calling it Mass Effect if it's completely different is my question.
1: Well, exactly. You know, so I think that was a misstep, but ultimately, I mean, just everything about the game was was a misstep. The fact that they punted it to the Montreal Development Studio, not the Edmonton branch, so this is the the B team. yeah. Who had never developed basically anything except for a small, you know, the small multiplayer aspects of the prior Mass Effect games.
0: Right, they didn't have the capability to really crank out a full game.
1: No, you know, when you're talking about any, you know, any kind of open world game, that is a big undertaking.
0: Right, especially when your open world is the infinity of space.
1: Yeah, so it was just... That's it was a tall order too,
0: for anybody.
1: Well, exactly. It was way too much for the studio, and, you know, that was because the Edmonton branch was working on Anthem. Mm-hmm. You know, so they basically traded Mass Effect, you know, almost as a franchise to work on this new IP that I, they hoped would be good, but... It's a bad decision, you know, it would be, I've always said, it's basically like Microsoft kicking Halo to, you know, some B studio that had only done mobile games.
0: Yeah, that would be like kicking it to Rovio, Makers of Angry Birds.
1: You know, it's just not something that I think they would ever do because they understand that, you know, the games are, really require your A team.
0: Yeah, and when it's the face of your company as... Yeah, Halo is the face uh, is the face of the of fran- uh, that franchise is the face of the company, w- just like Mass Effect was to Bioware.
1: Exactly, you just don't do that. You don't you kick know? it
0: down to the B team.
1: So you know the development was completely dysfunctional. They had a bunch of ideas that they wanted. That they spent like you know f- four years is the average development for one of these games, and I think they spent about two two and a half kind of mucking around doing things and then ended up having to scrap all of it and basically build the game in 18 months. Right. And that's why it it sort of looks the way it does, it plays the way it does, why it was so buggy at launch. Yeah. Because, it you know, it wasn't made in four years. It was made in 18 months.
0: Exactly. And that's just... That's a recipe for disaster when you have to... When you're down almost 30, you're down to 30% of the time
1: yeah, you to just make can't a game, make...
0: you're not going to win.
1: No, you just can't make something, you know, of quality. And, you know, there was a ton of red flags that the Edmonton branch just completely ignored sort of a lot of chances to, you know, to, to take the IP back, to step in, to delegate more staff, and they did nothing. No, they really did. Well,
0: they did, but they didn't do anything in the positive.
1: No. So, you know, in the end you get Andromeda, which, you know, it just sort of was bad.
0: Well, and here's the thing. I stopped playing Mass Effect after 3. I did not play Andromeda. I mean, what was it? like Because you've told me before that the plot was pretty thin
1: the plot uh, my problem with the plot is anytime you're dealing with sort of a super intelligent you know space-faring civilization that's figured out how to do all these fancy technical things and yet they seem to lack the same knowledge that you know our primitive ancestors in terms of like the vikings the spanish conquistadors knew yeah it's irking you know because it doesn't make sense Yeah, it's kind of the you should know more... If they
0: can master interstellar travel... Exactly. You know, why the hell are they still using rocks as weapons, basically?
1: Yeah, it's kind of the you should know more than a caveman idea.
0: Yeah, and I don't think they did.
1: No, because the entire plot, you know, it's supposed to take place between Mass Effect 2 and 3... And the entire plot is basically that all these alien species are sending 20,000 people on these kind of Noah's arcs out into unoccupied space so that they can, you know, be safe from the big baddies.
0: Right, which makes no sense.
1: And it's 600 light years, and there's sort of this idea that they've looked at these planets, you know, through their big space telescope, you know, futuristic telescopes and... All these nice planets that are unoccupied that they're going to colonize. Well, and that's the thing. Six hundred light years.
0: That takes a you know that's a long time.
1: Yeah, and then they get there, and it's sort of like oh yeah, it's exactly have the changed. same as we
0: saw it six hundred years ago.
1: No. Yeah. Suddenly, the, some of those planets are occupied and they're being used, and now you can't use them. Yeah. And some of them aren't there used.
0: anymore. There's new ones out there, but yet, you know, and exactly the fact that. These beings have the capability to build a ship that can travel for that distance.
1: Yeah, and use cryosleep and all yeah, these yet kind of... Yeah, they
0: can't figure out that time changes things.
1: Yeah, you know, and there didn't seem to really be a, a plan B or C. It's just sort of like, yeah, they're still going to be, you know, usable and unoccupied in 600 years. Fine.
0: Yeah, exactly. Idiotic. So,
1: you know, so that was dumb. <laughs> already and then you know the character you play is obnoxious uh you know no disrespect to the voice actors but they just couldn't hold a candle to the original no you, you, know, you sh- can't
0: fault the voice actor you fault the people that wrote the character
1: yeah you know the writing wasn't as good and you know the thing about shepherd was shepherd was unique you know you were given a, a you know sort of a secret spy designation that she was the first human to have it so there's something that immediately set you know your character apart right. whereas in Andromeda you play as basically just the leader of the these arcs and every arc and there's four or five has one so you're already just not unique
0: Yeah, if you were the same as everybody else down the road why should I care
1: yeah you know, so... It's... And it just doesn't really get much better than there. Your character is generally unlikable. It it had a kind of dialogue system that was annoying. It kind of reminded me of the Fallout 4 one. Oof. You know. Oof. Yeah.
0: But, <laughs> and, speaking of voice acting... Mmm. Let's talk, because you have expressed some rage... Well, not right, Well, yeah. At yeah. the criminal misusage criminal. of one Mr. Clancy Brown.
1: Well, exactly. And,
0: you... I'm sorry, Did for I... those of you who don't know who Clancy Brown is, number one, shame on you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Most people will probably know him as Mr. Krabs. Uh, yes,
0: which is, to me, ironic that he is Mr. Krabs in SpongeBob, but he's also better known as a very great you know, heavy, you know, can-be-evil and intimidating character. And for you Highlander fans, he's the Kurgan.
1: Exactly. I mean, that's how, I guess, a lot of people from our generation probably yeah. know him more as the Kurgan. You know,
0: here's the langu- Here's the explicit language. He's the goddamn Kurgan!
1: You know, And they give a him great... five
0: minutes of dialogue in a game and then kill him off?
1: Well, that's it. It's sort of like... You know, I guess he's expensive, but it, you know they really hyped him up in all the well, the marketing and, that's and fine.
0: everything. He he's expensive because he's worth it. But if you can't
1: afford it, don't get him. Well, that's it. They really over just sort of overhyped him. He's he's your character's father, and you know you kind of go in thinking that this is going to be kind of a long lasting thing for most of the game. And yeah, he's you know spoilers. He's dead about eight, ten minutes into the game.
0: Exactly, and I'm sorry, but you know, the guy's got a great video game voice. He's just a great actor all around. I'm a huge Clancy Brown fan.
1: Well, exactly. You do get little flashbacks, but it's not really interactive, so you, you yeah, don't get any of are those satisfaction. little
0: flashbacks the stuff he'd already recorded so they didn't have to pay for him for new lines?
1: Yeah. Well, exactly, and like I say, it's not interactive, so there's no real satisfaction there. You, you know, it was gonna be like, oh, cool, I get to, you know, interact with Clancy Brown, but no,
0: no, you don't, and and that's the thing, and like, you know, and then they're wondering, well, why do people keep comparing us to Mass
1: Effect? Because you called yourself Mass Effect. Well, that's it, you know, and for a game that you know everything in sort of the the marketing was all about, you know, we're new and everything's new and we're different. It's everything is. They pretty much couldn't get away from the original trilogy, and they didn't really even try.
0: Well, right, exactly. If you're so new and different, why are you relying so heavily on what you're trying so desperately to distance yourself from?
1: Exactly. Like, everything that they did was just a version, a lesser version of what they'd already done in the trilogy.
0: Well, yeah, and, because thanks to your handy-dandy little chart here... Yeah. Um, it appears that they didn't even create new aliens, did they? They just reskinned them and renamed them.
1: They did. There was, I mean, the two new ones, so there was one good, you know, good alien species that you meet up with, and then the new bad guy species.
0: They bastardized the Krogan.
1: Yeah. (laughs) They did. I mean, everything, all your companions are just bad, sad retreads of much better versions from the trilogy. Which, again, you sort of go... Why couldn't they just shuffle the personalities, at least? That would have made such a huge difference. It's a small thing, but just, you know, shuffling the personalities would have helped so much. You know, why does every Krogan companion have to be kind of a grizzled, battle-hardened veteran, you know? Right, they
0: can That, you know, it's impossible to have an entire species that's all the same way.
1: You know, like, when you go to the human space station in the original trilogy, you run into Krogan that work as kind of butlers, scholars, like it's pretty explicitly shown that they're not all out there, you know, gun-toting super soldiers. Some of them do other jobs. Well, that's the thing,
0: and you have to look at it from just a, a scientific point of view. If everybody in the species was a warrior, that species would not survive.
1: Exactly. You have to to have a
0: balance. Nature and the universe demands it.
1: You know. So it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, everything is just kind of boring. Yeah,
0: and I don't know, and it, it just, it's just, it wasn't even thinly veiled, it was just blatant.
1: Well, that's it. I mean, they didn't even try, and then they continually tried to shove in all these sort of links to the original trilogy that weren't necessary, but just felt desperate, like they knew that the game couldn't stand on its own, so suddenly it's you know, like, oh, one of your human companions now has to be tied to characters from the trilogy even though those characters never mentioned having a daughter, but exactly. nope, she's here and, now.
0: And then you're like well, wait a minute, they they said that they weren't doing anything with it and it just all goes back to the same to the same problem I have Mm. Is that, why are you constantly referencing something you want to distance yourself from? It makes no sense, and it's going to lead to problems as it did with this.
1: Well, exactly, you know, and because then you get into retconning, which it just, you know... You can ignore Andromeda, and you should ignore Andromeda, but if you paid any attention to it, then it really shreds basically every little bit of lore that they set out in the trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. It just completely puts it through, you know, a meat grinder. Which, not good. No. You know, not good at all.
0: (laughs) Um, so what the hell is the future event of, quote-unquote, not Mass Effect, Mass Effect?
1: Supposedly, I mean, they just recently released a trailer for the new one.
0: Oh, that's gonna be good, isn't it? Did you
1: watch the trailer? I did. Eh, Yeah, I mean... It looks kind of like they may attempt to merge the two universes. I'm not sure. I mean, the trailer was very, very short, very light. It looked like one of your main companion characters from the trilogy finds a bit of Shepard's armor. So, of course, everybody's immediately hoping that it might be a return to the good times, but BioWare, as far as anybody's seen, seems really reluctant to revive the whole Shepard story, so... So basically,
0: they're going to rely on people's nostalgia for sales.
1: It kind of looks like that. The the companion that they show looks quite old, where she's very, very young in the trilogy, so there's Uh, sort of the idea that this may take place... You know, this is a long living species, potentially hundreds of years after Shepard dies. But that is such a
0: blatant and horrifying cash grab. And honestly, I think more people that are fans of a franchise, regardless if it's a game, a movie, or whatever, should be offended by it.
1: It's the problem is that everybody who was involved with the trilogy that made it good is long gone. Oh yeah, they, they
0: bailed for either greener pastures or wanted nothing more to do with video games in general.
1: Exactly. So it's kind of, you know, a studio is just a studio. You know, Bioware is nothing more than a name. You know, it's the people, the staff that create these games. And if those people aren't there anymore, then it doesn't really matter if it has the Bioware name on it. Right.
0: It's just, it doesn't matter because there's no soul to it.
1: Exactly. So you're kind of handing over the reins of this franchise now to... To new people who, you know, who knows what they'll do with it, you know?
0: Yeah, because, and the problem is, even if they come in and they have good ideas, they don't care about the franchise. Yeah. Because they didn't create it.
1: And, you know, there's just sort of a sense in a lot of studios that the kind of games that mass effect was aren't necessarily just the kind of games that they make anymore right it's the live service thing yeah you know uh even uh industry people who work you know within the games have uh kind of admitted that like they wouldn't make an uncharted series now
0: no they wouldn't because they made it and i mean uncharted was a great series
1: Yeah, it was, but it's just that it's, you know, it's a single player experience. It's not crammed full of microtransactions or live service.
0: Exactly. They made it. They had success with it. People loved it. They ended it. It's over.
1: You know, and and there's nothing,
0: there's no reason to be angry at that because the legacy of it is still preserved.
1: No, but purely from a business standpoint, you know, if you can't constantly sort of merchandise your game you know through you know roadmaps DLCs all this live service stuff then oh
0: god i hate that so much uh,
1: everybody does but it makes money you know well, that's, that's the thing
0: other- for for as much as everybody claims they hate it they still spend an awful lot of money on it don't they
1: Exactly, so unfortunately it's it's not really going away. And
0: No, because why would developers get rid of it when they know it's guaranteed to make money? I wouldn't get rid of it.
1: Exactly, so there's just sort of a sense, you know, I guess maybe a fear that it's just going to be that, you know, with the Mass Effect skin on top.
0: Well, chances are. I mean, it's happened before in various companies.
1: Well, exactly. But, you know, and the other game that they're in development making is kind of the same way.
0: What's that? All that, um...
1: Dragon Age?
0: Oh, uh, that's right. And I'm glad you brought that up, because we would be remiss and probably hunted down if we didn't mention Dragon Age, their other big franchise.
1: It definitely was. I think Mass Effect was, you know, obviously bigger and oh, no, way Mass better. Mass
0: Effect was definitely bigger, but at the same time, you really can't discount Dragon Age for what it was. And what no, it did.
1: It, yeah.
0: And then that kind of went off the deep end too, didn't it?
1: It it didn't have nearly the stability, you know. Really, after the first game, it was already kind of over. It felt like Dragon Age 1 was kind of in a lot of ways meant to just be a standalone game, and then I think it was successful enough that it kind of automatically greenlit a sequel that it wasn't really needed, and then they didn't sort of know where to go with it. So every Dragon Age game is way different to each other, far more than Mass Effect was. Right. Uh, not only because you don't play a single character, it's it, Dragon Age is much more the story of, of a universe rather than a single person.
0: Right, which is I th- which I think is pretty cool, and that ticked a lot of your boxes because you're real big into the RPG developing.
1: It definitely, it was good, you know. The Mass Effect was way better. Uh, Dragon Age 1 was really, really good. It's by far, you know, in a way, the best out of the that trilogy of games.
0: Yeah, because I remember seeing the drop-off between 1 and 2, and you're looking at only two years' difference.
1: Yeah, 2 was very pared down. You went from being able to select, you know, like four different species of character to just being able to play as a human. and And to me,
0: what's the point of that?
1: And just sort of everything was just way much, much lighter. You know, a lot of cut features, because I think it was raced out the door. Ugh. And then, you know, three years after that, you got Inquisition, which was bioware's sort of first really huge open world game and if you play dragon age inquisition which came out in 2014 and then you play andromeda which came out in 2017 you see the same problems carried over
0: i was going it, to say there are a lot of there are a lot of similarities in the issues aren't there
1: yeah oh. it was kind of during that the the sort of Post-2010 rage of open world where every game, regardless of whether it suited the franchise or not, had to be open world.
0: Yeah, and that's... But,
1: I mean, it's a a really difficult thing to do, right? Like, you can't just do open world if you're not experienced at doing that.
0: Right, it's... That's the thing, because there's so much to factor in.
1: You know, everybody wanted to be Bethesda, you know, doing Skyrim.
0: Oh, man, but that's the problem... When you're looking at a game like, like Skyrim, which was and still is a fantastic game. Yeah. You can't you don't compare yourself to them.
1: No, and what they sort of you know, and unfortunately it seems like some of these big businesses and, you know, EA owned things, the they take the dumbest lessons from things. You know, so the lesson that they took from Something like Skyrim, which came out, you know, three years before these games, is basically big map good. Well,
0: exactly. That's all they took. They didn't look at the development of it and the fact that they filled the world with things. Cyberpunk?
1: Well, that's it, you know. I can't remember what it is, but I know it's... I think there was, like, over 100 or 200 actual hand-touched areas of the Skyrim map where somebody actually went in and individually placed things it's not just sort of generated
0: right and again the problem with open world is it's good to have an open world but if you can't access parts of it what's the point
1: well and if it's just sort of empty which was the problem with inquisition big map really pretty they've always done these these sort of beautiful environments but there just wasn't anything to do i felt like you just spent so much time kind of just running over fields and through mountains and not doing anything right it actually got worse for andromeda
0: Well, and that's, you know, what, like, the old Assassin's Creed games did. I think they were one of the first to kind of pioneer the if-you-can-see-it-you-can-get-there kind of world. Yeah, exactly. So that, and that's why Skyrim just dominated, because not only did they apply that, but they had people that did stuff that made things for it, that made it unique
1: Exactly. You Rather know, there's than a lot just an stuff. open
0: field that you have to run through and, oh, okay, well, we're going to change the way the sky looks.
1: Or just copy-pasting the same building, which is what Andromeda ended up doing. It's the same structure, just pasted a hundred times. It's, that doesn't mean you have a hundred sort of unique places to go. It means you have the same one building copy and pasted across the level. It's very boring.
0: It is, and it's, it just doesn't work.
1: No, so, it's, you know, yeah, the sort of plot and everything and just gameplay of Inquisition was, it felt very experimental, you know, it's kind of the stepping stone of where Bioware was gonna go, Mm. but for me personally, not particularly enjoyable.
0: Well, and they've already, I'm pretty sure they've already announced another Dragon Age game for the future.
1: Oh, yeah, a couple years ago, you know. Uh, Unfortunately, I mean, for me, following a character that I never liked, have zero interest in, as soon as I could stop having him as my companion, I did. (laughs) And uh, from what I've heard on the sort of the rumor mill, basically kind of built on the, the skin and bones of Anthem.
0: Oh, God, and we all saw how well that went.
1: Yeah, so putting a Dragon Age skin on that and sort of the live service model is not promising. Well, and that's the
0: thing, because they announced Dragon Age, what would it be, four? Yeah. They announced that two years ago, and we haven't heard one peep.
1: No, nothing good at least, so, So,
0: basically, Bioware's sitting there with their last game being a complete commercial and game failure in Anthem.
1: Well, yeah, now everybody, you know, I mean... And they're Ever like, and, and
0: especially when they, when didn't they literally announce that we are going to be borrowing a lot from Anthem for this game?
1: I think so, you know. And now, of course, being owned by EA, everybody wonders, you know, when do they get the old Yeller treatment?
0: Oh yeah, they'll be gone. Well, let's put it this way: if Dragon Age Four comes out, yeah, and if it's nothing more than a Reese, or uh, excuse me, when. It's nothing more than a reskinned anthem. Mm. That supposed new Mass Effect game that was announced a couple of months ago, she won't be happening, will she?
1: No, you know. Because EA- then Bioware
0: will be relegated to the scrap heap.
1: Yeah, I mean EA's done it to enough other great studios.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the problem. If you, you know, if you're purchased by a, you know, basically a monster conglomerate. You don't produce, they'll go elsewhere.
1: Yep. So, you know, that's kind of where things are for poor Bioware. It's just... They just haven't been able to sort of recapture that, that magic, and I don't know if Dragon Age will do it, you know? No, uh,
0: I, I don't I, think so, so...
1: I think I kn- a lot more is riding on the success of the new Mass Effect. <sighs>
0: Well, and that's the thing—they only announced that three, four months ago.
1: Oh yeah, so that one will probably be a few years away. So you're not—you're
0: not, you're looking at maybe 2024 is the earliest.
1: But you know, but that's
0: a lot of time for EA to sit there and look at this division and go, "Why aren't you producing anything?"
1: Yeah, you know, I think if if both of those games, you know, don't do really well, I think that would probably be it for Bioware.
0: Yeah, they, right now it's like they're on borrowed time.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, they're on strike too, and they're staring down a, you know, a, a really good pitcher,
1: you know? And at one point, I mean, in some ways it is, you know, it is sad as a studio that, you know, was the highest high and, and has been around for so long, but you know, as I said before, it's, it's sort of, it's the people that make the studio and, and most of those people have gone on to other studios and, other studios have, have started to produce, you know, equally good content.
0: Right. And, they, and you know, a lot of these smaller indie games are coming out, and they're really good.
1: Yeah. You know, they kind of played, they played the Bioware games, they watched what they did, and they sort of took the torch and ran. So, if, you know. Well, exactly. Sad... And, that,
0: and that's the good thing when you get people that really care about games that want to take something that they enjoyed and kind of use it as a, as a as a base platform to build something else great.
1: Well, exactly, and it just sort of fills the void. You know, at one time the idea of maybe, you know, Bioware or Bethesda not being around would have left a huge void in the gaming industry, but now there's so many yeah, other nowadays, studios. Yeah, nowadays,
0: honestly, if Bioware went away, I really don't think anybody would notice except the people that used to work there.
1: No, because the IPs would absolutely be bought up by somebody else.
0: Oh, yeah. And some of these now, at the time they were maybe the fringe companies, now all of a sudden they've put out a really good product, now they're gaining power, they're gaining influence.
1: Yeah, and it, honestly it's kind of exciting, I mean, you know, I I think I probably said it in the Bethesda one, at, at one point the idea of Fallout going to somebody else probably would have been terrifying. Now yeah, it's but an now exciting people are hoping aspect. for it. Yeah, you know, now it's like, just about anybody take a crack at it, why not? Can't be any worse.
0: After the fiasco that was everything Fallout 76, and nobody is going to convince me otherwise that it wasn't a total tank.
1: Well, that's it, and I sort of feel the same about Bioware, you know? Uh, There's always that part of me that will have those nostalgia, but in terms of the IPs, I would honestly rather just about any other company take a crack at it than than, you know, what Bioware is now. Right,
0: so who knows? And that might happen in the future, and for the sake of a lot of these games, um, you do kind of hope it happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Bioware can't do it, then...
0: Maybe somebody else can, so... Well, let's close it out as we did the last one. Bioware, basically on very thin ice. Yeah. Which means... Mass Effect and Dragon Age are also on very thin ice, could be relegated to the Heap. Yeah. Possibly could get purchased if, when Bio... Well, I think, honestly, when BioWare tanks, because I don't think it's a question of if for them. Yeah. So, what would your final opinion on that be? What What do you want to leave the audience with?
1: It's uh, pretty much what I've said. I mean, yeah, at one point it would have been sad, but... You know, if it happens, there's enough other people that will happily snap these up and maybe give us something that you kind of have to accept that is beyond BioWare's scope anymore.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's nothing wrong if BioWare would have, if any company, let's not just pick on BioWare because we've been doing that for an hour. Yeah. But if any company is sitting there with an IP that they know is above their scope, I don't think there's any shame in them reaching out and saying, hey, can you continue this? We cannot.
1: Well, exactly. even if it just happens, I mean, sometimes you just kind of have to admit that the the golden era is done, that a company just cannot... Yeah,
0: nobody you know, stays on top forever.
1: <laughs> exactly that. I think we may have seen the golden age of, of Bioware, and it's, it's all right to admit that, you know, or to accept that it's kind of over. Yeah. I mean, and... Be be happy it happened, you
0: know? Exactly, because after, really, the Mass Effect franchise, the original trilogy ended... Yeah. It's kind of been a series of disappointments. Like, you're looking... Yeah. Commercial failures, poor games, misrun games... It's, exactly. It's just further and further tainting the legacy that is Bioware.
1: Exactly. So, you know... Maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing if, you know, if people shuffled to other companies and the IP shuffled somewhere else.
0: Yeah. But we're going to look for it in the future. Yep. Keep up. uh, Exactly. And, you know, in the meantime, you still have the original trilogy.
1: Exactly.
0: You still have the original trilogy in Dragon Age 1.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But for now, that'll conclude this episode of... Carnival of Randomness presents uh, consoles and computers. And there's going to be more coming, because trust me, the video game industry has presented us with a lot of things we can talk about. It never sleeps. It never sleeps. It merely waits and then gets bought up by EA. So for the time (laughs) being, I am Zach. I'm Ryan. And we will catch you guys on the next one.